Welcome to In Your Money, I'm Brian Hurst. This evening we are focusing on estate planning. Despite many rumours regarding changes to estate duty over the last few years, the only two changes that are introduction of Section C and the increase in estate duty from 20% to 25% to those of assets in excess of 30 million. And joining this evening to focus primarily on these two issues and then to answer many of the emails that have come in since the last programme on estate planning is Tony Davy from Davy Foss Tax. Tax and Tony is a master tax practitioner. Tony, before we get into the questions, I mean, there are a lot of tax practitioners. You've got to be registered in this time. But obviously, your, your, your experience and, and extent of education goes a lot further than that. Yes, look, anyone who provides tax advice for remuneration, um, for fees in other words, um, has to register with SARS and also with uh, an institute recognised by SARS. Um, you can carry the master tax practitioner status if you hold a master's degree in tax. And then Tony, so let's get on to our subject now. There are two, two, look, the Davis Tax Committee made a whole lot of recommendations. We've seen that now. I think it's into the third budget and very little changes. But there were, was a change to, um, in the last budget. That was the introduction of 7C. And then also in this budget was the increase of estate duty from 25 to, from 20 to 25 above 30 million. Yes. So let's first talk about 7C because although we talk about interest paying tax on interest, a lot of people are looking for ways around it and there's schemes mm. coming out onto the mm. market. Just, just clarify what is happening. Brian, the, the point of 7C was to try and discourage the use of freezing your estate with an interest-free loan to a trust. So what the legislation now says, effective from 1 March last year, in other words for the year, that tax year that's just finished, is that um, to the extent you've made an, a low interest or interest-free loan to a trust, the, uh, there will be donations tax, not income tax, donations tax on the amount as computed of the interest-free loan. And you pay donations tax, in fact, that will be due at the end of March. Okay, so it's a donations tax, and, and as you say, a donations tax, so that's tax at a certain rate of interest. I think it started at 8%. It was 8% up to July, and then from 1 August, the rate came down to 7.75%. And that would be, treated, that would be taxed at 20%. C correct. Uh, the yeah. Twenty percent of the of the non-charging of interest. Yes. So so so, so, so yeah. But I've heard about schemes and people trying mm -hmm. to create mm -hmm. companies to avoid it. Are there any uh, avoidance? You know, you know, Brian. There's been sort of like three versions of this of this legislation, and um, at one stage, because it originally read that if it was a loan from a natural person to a trust, that was the criteria. Then persons started interposing companies and lending to companies and then the company lent to the trust and all that. Look, those loopholes have been closed. All right. So whether you're giving directly or indirectly, for example, through a company, you are now going to be subject to 7C because of amendments to that legislation. So in my view, there are no loopholes. Okay, so let's just talk about the interest rate, 8 to 7.75. Mm. Was there some mention made that that interest rate is too low? You know, in this most recent budget speech, it's been mooted in the budget review, which accompanies the speech, that um, the interest rate, in fact, is too low and should, for future tax years, which maybe will include this year, which started, commenced 1 March, be increased to like prime plus one, which I think would make it about 11.25 yeah, or so. Yeah, priming 10.25. Mm. We're hoping prime comes down. Yeah, yeah. so it would jump from 7.75 
for the next tax year to 11.25 if this proposal goes through, yes. So, Tony, anyone who's, who's come up with these clever structures, mm-hmm. they're, on, they're, they're mm-hmm. on to you. Uh, <laughs> Brian, that, that is true. We've, you know, through consulting, we come across everything, if I might say, well, most things. And if a, if a scheme does the work, it normally only works for a few months. Then you've got to say the time, the trouble, the bun- unbundling, is it, was it really worth it? So, Tony, an answer to repay the loan? Yes. I, I actually think certainly if the rate goes to 11.25, okay, that one might consider if you have liquidity, realize the shares, for example, if that's the asset, and, uh, and repay the loan. Is actually your the sort of band-aid solution. Okay. But then we come to estate duty. We're now talking about an increase in estate duty above 30 million, yes. 25 from 20 to 25, yes, yes. and that could change. It, 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 we, we can see that things are happening. Mm. So you now repay the loan, and you've now got the asset in your hands, mm. whereas previously you were trying to peg your estate mm. to avoid paying estate duty. I mean, I, ac- I accept that, but the thing is that um, estate duty is hopefully a far in the future event, it's only levied upon death. Um, whereas uh, this 7C donations tax imputation is an annual amount. I appreciate it is only on the foregone interest, but you're paying it annually and it's going to hurt. So the longer you live on, you ca- when you calculate that, take the, take the hit now rather than the next 20, 30 years. Yeah, well, that, you see, you, you've got to basically do a computation, sort of saying, what is my life expectancy? Okay, and of course, one never knows. Um, in practice and com- do a calculation to compare the annual donations tax versus the saving in estate duty and vice versa. Well, we're going to take a break. We're not taking calls this evening. This is a pre-recorded program. Stay tuned. We'll be back shortly. Welcome back to New Money. This evening we're discussing estate planning. My guest is Tony Davy of Davy Foss Tax. As this is a pre-recorded program, we're not taking calls, but I will deal with all the emails that have come in. You can still email me on brianh at bhca.za. Tony, let's just talk about, was this a surprise to you at 30 million rand, an increase in the state duty? Um, not, not a They total. seem to have implemented not, not one aspect of the Davis Tax Committee yeah, recommendations. Yeah, yeah. Look, there's definitely been cherry picking. All right, but the Davis Committee, in its interim estate duty report, did say that there should actually maybe be a stepped um, rate applying to the relative size of the estate. So it is something they've taken from the Davis Committee report. But on the other hand, um, other aspects have actually been ignored. But it doesn't mean they won't happen. It's maybe more of a process than an event, and this is just an easier aspect to implement in practice. You know, Tony, when I looked at the numbers that they're going to collect, I think it was 150 mm. million, it was peanuts. Mm. But I'm just wondering, you know, when we started off with CGT, we started off, I think, at 25, then 33, it's now 40. And when we started off with dividends tax, it mm. also went from 15 mm. to 20. Mm. I'm just not wondering if this doesn't just leave an opening to actually stagger this up. And I think for that reason, there's got to be a lot more estate planning. And 
people seemed, when the Davis Tax Committee came out, seemed to go right off trusts. I know 7C has some impact, but what is your view? Do you think people are starting, I mean, obviously you're doing a trust for the right reason, but do you think people are starting now maybe to consider the use of a trust again? Um, you know, Brian, my experience has been, and our advice, is if you're forming a trust for asset protection, in other words, to protect beneficiaries from themselves, minor beneficiaries, persons who can't manage their funds, etc., um, then a trust is an excellent vehicle. And it goes back a thousand years to the, to the English law at the time of the Crusades, in fact. Um, if you're looking to form a trust for estate freezing purposes, I think one has to be very careful as to doing the numbers as to whether this is going to work for you or not. And as a, as a general state statement, I think this will put a dampener on trusts which have, have been, which are going to be formed for fiscal purposes only. And also, Tony, I think a lot of people have got trusts and they're perhaps going to have to start to re-examine their trusts, mm. firstly from a wording point of view and administration mm. point of view, mm. and then to see whether that trust is still viable. I mean, that's probably what you do in a lot of in your consulting. Read the trust, mm. say, you know, these need to be, the changes here, mm. and more important is, why have you got a trust? Absolutely, I agree. And often one formed the trust maybe at, at a time that you had minor children as well, so you had a dual purpose. There was a state freezing and you also had, say, minor children who couldn't inherit directly. Your circumstances may have changed now, you know, 10, 15, 20 years later, those minors are majors. And if your reason is only state freezing, you've got to compare that to the Section 7C. So certainly uh, a re-evaluation is necessary, yeah. Tony, does 7C apply to offshore trusts as well? No. There's been a lot of confusion about it, but if you actually look at the explanatory memorandum, uh, wh uh, which is issued by Parliament's Finance Committee, um, at the time 7C was first legislated a year ago, they actually specifically stated that there are other provisions in the Income Tax Act which govern soft loans to offshore trusts. So 7C, although it's not explicit, it's implicit, 7C only applies to onshore trusts. But if you make a soft loan to an offshore trust, there are other implications. For example, if I take my 10... Can, you, uh, can, I, can I deal with this email that's coming from Colin? Sure. Because I, I think you preempted this. Colin says, if Colin Santon says, some years ago I had a trust offshore and had a share portfolio made up of British shares. On the 10th anniversary, I was told that there would be a trust tax of 6%. I subsequently sold the shares and under the trust created a company which now holds global shares. I would like to take my allowance of 10 million out. Mm. Can this be invested in the trust? And what is the sequence from the funds leaving South Africa and actually being invested in the trust? So I think you're going to touch on that. So here we've got an individual, he wants to take out 10 million. Yeah. Only individuals can take it out. There's still your gotta trust card. It's got to be a natural person. So there's got to be card. a distribution or other assets that we've got that 10 million. Yes, now the individual applies for the director, for takes take the money out. Applies for tax clearance and then... Can that can, money go straight to take, the trust? Take that out. Yes, the money, if, if, I mean, it must go to a bank account, but it can, yes, it can be transferred to a trust. Now, it seems that... Um, so it doesn't have to go to a bank account in his own name and then to the trust? Look, the, um, quite, it, it depends on the FICA of the jurisdiction uh, that th is the recipient of the monies. Some insist that the monies get transferred to you an account you open offshore. In other jurisdictions, they allow it to actually go 
to the trust. But the point is, from a tax point of view, you've now made an injection into a foreign trust. 7C doesn't apply, but you, if you don't charge interest on that loan, then it triggers other sections of the Income Tax Act. Specifically, we have a section 7, subsection 8, which says if you make a soft loan to a non-resident, in this case a trust, then to the extent that any taxable income or capital gains are earned by the non-resident trust, they will be attributed to the resident lender. So effectively, although you are offshore freezing your estate for estate duty purposes, from an income tax point of view, the income of that trust or capital gains is deemed to be yours under a different section, namely section 7, subsection 8. So one must always bear, th bear that in mind. So Another so important the trustees point would have to be aware yeah. of, 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 giving, of yeah. giving that tax certificate yeah. at the end of the tax year. You know, Brian, what's very important, particularly uh, the client here is, um, is looking to merge his funds with other funds. Um, the other funds wouldn't be subject to 7-8 because it appears it was offshore earnings or an offshore inheritance. Or, or, in the am or, or take an amnesty in the um, different periods. Whatever. But there's got to be proper administration slash accounting to actually segregate this 10 million from the other funds because you bear the onus of proof of the ta as the taxpayer, remember, under the Tax Administration Act of actually showing what your income is, amongst other things. Now, if the trust just gives, say, the total funds are 20 million, well, you're going to have that attributed to you, and you've got to show what the split is. So you've got to make sure your record's offshore. So what is it? So you, there's no real advantage of using the trust if all the taxes of the capital gains are you might have just invested in your own, in your own name. Um, yes, from, from an income tax point of view uh, and CDT, that, that would be so. But you are freezing your, your estate because that loan is 10 million. All right, so if it grows to 15, whatever, from an estate duty point of view, you have, in fact, with the offshore trust, achieved some, you have achieved estate freezing. We're going to take a break. You're watching your new money. We're talking estate planning this evening. We're not taking calls. It's a pre-recorded program. Stay tuned. Welcome back to your new money this evening. I'm talking to Tony Davy about estate planning. We're dealing with someone who asked a question about security and Tony made a comment about key man insurance versus a surety for a family owned business. But he, uh, Tony, so you said premiums can be deducted at 6% and mm. if the company doesn't claim it as a deduction, must the company claim it as a deduction? Well, whether that's an income tax question. Okay. From an estate duty point of view, if it's a family company, it's dutable, less a credit of premiums plus 6%. And from an income okay. tax point of from view? From an income tax point of view, you can actually do it one of two ways. That because it's a pure life policy, the company can either claim a deduction of the premiums and then the proceeds fall into the company's gross income. In other words, potentially liable to tax if there's no assessed loss. Or they can do it the other way around, don't claim the premiums and the proceeds are tax-free. 
He also went on to ask the question, what agreements do I have to enter into so that there's a guarantee that the company will actually use the policy to settle the debt? Well, uh, so Australia got a family company, yeah, yeah, yeah. But, but you have to have an agreement. <laughs> because okay, well, I suppose maybe it's because in-laws can become outlaws. But um, it's a situation, it's best to have an agreement between the company and himself to the effect that the proceeds will be used and applied to settle the debt, which means obviously the surety won't be called up. So best to have a contract. Because Tony, the problem is on death, to wind up that individual's estate, if the surety sitting mm. there mm. can't wind up the estate. No, ab 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 absolutely. So there should be an agreement between the company and himself that that money will be used to settle the debt. So then the company actually would have to take out more insurance yes. to actually off to offset the estate duty. Agreed, yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. Penelope in Janusburg says, if I leave assets to children in my will via a trust, is it advisable that the will states that the trust will terminate when they reach 25, or should I leave it open-ended that the trust continue? We had that, you and I. We had a client who came to see us about her father created a trust many years ago, mm -hmm. and now the trust had to terminate. Mm. I prefer to keep it open-ended, Brian, because um, that give, as, as long as the trustees have a discretion to make interim awards of, of capital or income, rather keep it open because um, you never know the circumstances. I mean, you may, a beneficiary may reach age 25 and suddenly find they, they're already in debt, for example, and therefore the money will be applied to creditors, etc., etc. So from an asset protection point of view, keep it open. Uh, uh, James in Port Elizabeth, it looked like James in Port Elizabeth II, but it didn't, says, I, I recently applied under the Special Voluntary Disclosure Program. What happens if I don't get it? Can they then use this inf information and prosecute me? No, the Special Voluntary Disclosure Program is governed by a unit, which is a ring fence from SARS. So if the, in the unlikely event, because our firm has done a few hundred of these, Brian, and so far we've had a 100% success rate. But, are you, but getting silly, are you getting minor questions? We are getting questions, but they, they're primarily routine. Okay, purely verifying certain points, but I've found SARS to be cooperative. Um, but in the extremely unlikely event the client didn't qualify for SVDP, which frankly would not be a tax reason in my view, there'd have to be other issues okay um, no that's ring fenced information and um, therefore it wouldn't be allowed in evidence and therefore there would not be a successful prosecution where the risk would lie with that client though is offshore fund managers bank managers trustees do have to report and it's a phased in period over the next two three years all um, non-residents from their perspective, for example, South African residents who've invested abroad, these offshore parties have to report to the South African authorities the existence of these offshore funds. So in the normal course of events, what we call common reporting standards, he would be picked up in, in due course. So that's where the risk lies, which and is the reason for the SVDP. And they've obviously got sophisticated system. Is it a good unit, Tony? I mean, capable people in that unit. Yes. I think it's, you said yes. it's headed up by Flock Symington. Yes, yes, no. Many but years experience. Yes, yes yeah. very capable. Yeah. Tony, what happens if someone didn't take, the, didn't do anything? <laughs> okay. You've still got the voluntary disclosure program in your tax, haven't you? Yes, running parallel and without 
the, uh, the deadline, the Special Voluntary Disclosure Programme, which was a simplified process uh, finished at the 31 August 2017. We do have, have in our Tax Administration Act a permanent amnesty known as Voluntary Disclosure Programme, which has no cut-off date, other than, to put it somewhat colloquially, you must get to SARS before SARS get to you. All right, so that's ongoing, and you can still avail yourself of the normal voluntary disclosure program. In some instances, it won't be as beneficial. In other instances, it'll be more beneficial, but it is available. And if you are in that position with um, unauthorized funds or income abroad, Brian, I, I, I strongly urge people to consider the normal VDP. Tony, you've spoken about the income tax side. Mm. Wasn't this the problem? You come forward to SARS and to disclose income not disclosed previously, mm. but how do you regularise yeah. the well, existence of the capital? Yeah. Well, that's why the, the Special Voluntary Disclosure Programme offered a bit of a two-in-one. You regularise with both regulators, in other words, both SARS and the SA Reserve Bank. Now, the position as we have it post SVDP, so from 1 September, is SARS have a permanent amnesty, what they call normal VDP. Saab don't have an amnesty as such, but if you come forward on a case-by-case -case basis, they will uh, adopt a more benevolent approach than if they catch you. So but you can still um, regularise with the, the Reserve Bank. Not no, the 10%. The, the 10 is more likely to be 20 to 25 with the Reserve Bank, yeah. Then Campbell in Johannesburg says, I handle many estates and would like Tony to comment on the new fees proposed by the Master's Office where fees have gone up more than tenfold. Sounds, yeah. like, ra sounds like the rates we're getting. Yeah, <laughs> there, there, there was a Master's uh, um, fee, I think it, um, I recall it was about 600 Rand, um, which was like an administrative fee, and now that's gone up to a few thousand Rand. Um, yeah, I, d I don't know, as, y as you say, it's... Uh, the sign of the times. And Tony, in, in, in finalising a state, is it still, if, if your state, if the state's under 250,000 Rand, mm. you can do it, you can do it simply. Yeah, there's, a, there's a shortcut route under what they call section 18 of the, um, the, uh, <laughs> the legislation, the, it's an administration act, yeah. And above 250, is it still laborious in the master's yeah. office, still mm. in a mess and, uh, yeah. or is it more difficult, taking a long time, a lot of questions being asked? You know, you know what's happening is that to wind up in the state, you need SARS clearance as well, all right? And now remember, this is SARS last bite at the cherry. So there is an audit at that time. Well, Tony, thank you. Well, in my experience, recommendations made by the Davis T T Tax Committee appeared to unsettle individuals from setting up a trust. With the increase in estate duty, trusts may become in vogue, but you've heard what Tony's had to say. People set up trusts for different reasons before doing one, one needs to be careful and do careful evaluation and I say get professional advice. You always have to ask yourself, what is the purpose of the trust and what assets do you want to incorporate? A trust could be a very good estate planning tool and should only be created with the help of an expert for the specific benefit of your beneficiaries. I've seen many situations where a trust has become a tax and financial burden on everyone involved. Tony, thank you very much for joining Thanks, me this bro. evening. Please note to note tonight's program is to provide information and should not be construed as advice. Although we've had a lot of uh, emails and questions coming in on estate planning, I'm going to continue next week with another estate planning question. If you need to get hold of me, my details will appear on the screen. I'd like to thank you for watching and good night.